You are listening to audio from New Life Foursquare. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org. Thirteen years ago to the date, on Easter Sunday, we had our first service out on that front lawn right there. And uh, what happened was it was a merger. Uh, you know, I, we, we brought in about maybe 150 people or so from a church that we had planted in Carson called uh, Livestream South Bay. We merged with the church that was here already that was called Gateway Fellowship, and we became New Life on that day. I think it was 2004, I believe, Easter Sunday, 13 years ago, man, and we're still here, alive and kicking. And 13 years later, you know, I need to say this just so that those of you who've been wondering and who've been a part of our church know that that front lawn is going to be transformed into something that looks a lot different. It'll be a parking lot, a plaza, a tot lot for the kids, and stuff like that. This is the last year that you're probably going to see grass on that front lawn like that, so we're going to take advantage of it is what we're doing this year. But listen, more importantly, our church is more committed than ever to emphasizing and to living out this commission of Jesus to not only be disciples, but to make disciples. And so this morning, I want to just say to you up front here, no matter where you are in your journey, you can make the choice to become a follower of the resurrected Jesus. No matter where you are in your journey. In fact, um, I'll, I'll encourage some of you. Don't become a follower of Jesus because of his teachings. Don't become a follower of Jesus because other Christians, you know, who may have influenced you or turned you off to the faith, do what they do. Don't become a follower of Jesus because of them. Don't become a follower of Jesus because the church is perfect, because I'll tell you right now, it ain't. And don't become a follower of Jesus because it's the popular thing to do, because listen, right here, right now, in other parts of the world, it is not a popular thing to become a follower of Jesus. In fact, we had a, a dear sister in our very own church on Good Friday. She came up for prayer, and I prayed with her, and she shared with me that her son, who is in Egypt, is being persecuted for being a Christian. And she was weeping. She was saying, can we pray? Not her son, her grandson. Uh, she might be here, actually, today. So, Mary, we, we, our prayers are with you and, and Patrick. But we, 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 we just forget you don't become a follower of Jesus because this is the popular thing to do. You become a follower of Jesus because he is the only one in the history of humanity who has done what he's done, which is to conquer death and open the way to eternal and everlasting life. So this morning, the question is going to kind of loom in the room. Will you follow Jesus? And I'm not just talking about those of you who maybe tampered or grown up in religion. I'm also talking to those of you who've been walking with God for a, a long time, who church is the thing to do on Easter. And then maybe you're here and you were invited by a family member or a friend and you're here just because of that and that's awesome and I applaud you for sitting through this. But I want you to, I want you to know that we're, we're going to be unashamed about it today. We're going to ask you, will you follow Jesus? And for some of you, will you follow Jesus again? Will you follow him again? This morning, I would like us to consider what that might look like by talking about, the, the title of my message is called The Power of Again. The Power of Again. And I want to read from Luke chapter 24. This is one of the accounts of the resurrection from the Gospel of Luke. He says, now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, 
they and a certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened that they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men standing by them in shining garments. And then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, these angels said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee saying, the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. Say again. again. This morning I want to explore with you this idea that our experience of again is often about vain and futile repetition. But Jesus' experience of again is all about resurrection. I will rise again was his promise. But you see, for us, we have, uh, we have problems with again. For some of us, our problems with again are that uh, our agains are attached to a lot of anger. You know, especially if it's something that we did that we felt was a waste of time, right? Do I have to do that again? Do I need to stand in line again? Do I have to pay my taxes again, right? Or some of you, it's like your impatience with someone that's doing something in your life, making life miserable for you. He did that again? He, he forgot our anniversary again? He forgot my birthday again? He said that again? And it's connected to anger and some frustration. For others of us, our again is connected to addiction. He's gone back to that old way of living again. He's gone back to drugs again. She's gone back to that old boyfriend again. He's gone back to the streets again. And uh, he's gone back, they've gone back to their old way of thinking and doing and living again. The again of addiction. And then there's the again of acquiescence. If you don't know what that word means, resignation. That's one thing it could indicate. As in, I'm not ever going to do that, say that, or believe that again. Now, that could be a good thing, especially if what you're not going to do again is unhealthy for you or bad for you. But sometimes I think we resign our faith and our confidence without knowing it. We give up our confidence that things can get any better than they really are in life. And we lose heart. We get discouraged. Now, that's different, isn't it? That's when the problem of again takes on this sort of dark shadow of silent despair, and we resign ourselves to living lives of quiet desperation. That's the problem with again. It just keeps on repeating in what seems to be a never-ending cycle of stuff that you said you don't want in your life, choices that you told yourself you would never make, things you promised yourself you would never do, but you did them, and you did them again and again, and again. I got good news for you. You're, you're in good company today. <laughs> in fact, there are people in scripture that you can relate with. Abraham lied about his wife, Sarah. He lied about her being his wife. Some of you remember that story. In order to save his neck, 
He did it once. And then a few years later, he did it again, even after God bailed him out. Jacob cheated and conned and deceived his way through life. Well, I guess he would, right? Because his name means deceiver. But he did it again and again and again. The nation of Israel tested God again and again. In the wilderness of 40 years, they tested God. Even after the wilderness, they were still again and again unfaithful to the Lord throughout their history. Job. Anybody remember Job? Some of you think it's Job. It's what I need right now in the Bible. There's a book right there for you. Job complained to God about his undeserved suffering again and again. Samson struggled with anger and flirted with lust again and again. Solomon, the wisest man on earth, made really dumb decisions, about 700, I don't know, about 1,000 dumb decisions he made. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. That's 999 bad decisions, folks, again and again. Even Jesus' disciples were no strangers to this dark side of again. They doubted Jesus again and again. They didn't get it even after Jesus tried to explain it again and again. They failed like Peter again and again and again. They stumbled in their understanding over and over again. In fact, this, my friends, is what makes the resurrection of Jesus so believable, believe it or not. The Gospels were written some 30 to 40 years, some scholars say 80 to 90 years after the events of Jesus' life. Okay, and that is enough time for if you were a gospel writer writing down a record of Jesus' life and you wanted to, to put a spin on the story, that that would be enough time for you to do it. So let's say, let's just say that Jesus did not rise from the dead, which is what many people believe. Let's just say it's true they stole the body or whatever. Then the men who wrote about his life and death, these gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, would have had to write about that event in a way that kept the movement going. So if those gospel writers wanted to spin the story to promote a lie, to keep a movement going called Christianity, they would have to write themselves into the story as the heroes of the story. That would work much better, especially if they knew that Jesus wasn't really alive, so we got to keep this going. Well, let's build it around us. Those accounts where it talks about, you know, the disciples abandoned Jesus, instead they probably would have written, no, everyone abandoned Jesus at that moment of trial when he needed us most, except me. I stayed faithful to Jesus. That's how it would have sounded. Peter, who denied Jesus three times, it probably would have said instead of that, it would have said, Peter, he struggled a little bit, but in the end he stood faithful to his Lord. The apostle Peter, follow him. See, if they were trying to promote that kind of lie, they would have written themselves into the story as heroes, but they don't. The gospel writers, every single one of them puts themselves in the story as someone who failed, who didn't, was slow of heart to believe, who was afraid, who was confused, who didn't get it again and again. So listen, you're in good company especially if you've ever gotten stuck in the cycles of again. 
anger, addiction, resignation again and again, tell the person next to you, there's no need to hide. There's no need to hide. No need to hide. It's okay. (laughs) Because Christ has risen again all the negative cycles of sin and shame that keep you repeating again and again are broken. Now, some of you this morning, just getting you ready for it. Those of you in the overflow room too, you're included in this. Some of you this morning need to make a resurrection declaration. Because we've all got these sinful patterns in our lives. In fact, some of those sinful patterns come from your family of origin. They come from your upbringing. Like you look at some of the stuff you're struggling with, and then you realize, oh, my dad and my grandpa struggle with that too. Oh, my mom and, and, and my grandma struggle with that too. Oh, my uncles. Oh, my Lord. All of them did that. And you could resign yourself and say, oh, yeah, that's just kind of the way I am. And it could be anything. It could be unhealthy ways of thinking. Could be way, you know, addictions, you name it. It could be painful patterns of abuse, stuff that was done to you, deception. I've seen it all. I've been a pastor for a number of years now, so I've seen all this stuff. I've seen patterns of adultery and fornication and divorce and all this. I see all those patterns. And, you know, we get the sickness part, right? My, you know, what's that? What do they ask you when you've got that, that chronic sickness? It, is anybody in your family have that? Why? Because we all get this, that some of the times the, the, the sinful, destructive patterns in our lives are not there just because we chose them to be there, right? Sometimes they're like residue from generations past. And I'm here to tell you, in the same way that generation or sin can be generational, God's work of breaking those things is just as powerful. And listen, I want, this is what I want to say at this moment. It can stop with you. It can stop with you. In fact, tell the person next to you, it stops here. Now, you don't know what they're talking about. You don't know what they're talking about. Whatever shame, whatever abuse, whatever generational sin pattern is in your life, it stops here because of the resurrection of Jesus. You need to make that declaration today. The cycle stops here. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he will give life to your mortal body through his spirit who lives in you. Through the spirit of Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, he can break the cycles. And you don't have to perpetuate those harmful cycles any longer. In fact, Jesus promised his disciples, even before things started to get rough, he promised hope. He put hope in there. He said, guys, things are going to get really bad. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. But I must, say, I must, I must rise again. The death and the suffering, that's going to be rough on you guys. But listen, I'm going to put it in as a prediction. I'm going to rise again. But they didn't hear the prediction as a promise. They didn't get it. And so the women here show up at the tomb. By the way, do you know why the women, I think, showed up at the tomb? Because it says that um, two men took Jesus to be buried. And they, they did their best to prepare. And you know what happens when you leave it to men to prepare stuff. Come on. That was for you ladies. So the women showed up with all the 
preparations, all the spices and stuff to embalm Jesus' body. And they came there to honor the memory of him. But they're met with supernatural surprise. First, the stone is rolled away. Next, the body is gone. And then thirdly, they meet these two supernatural beings, these angels, who ask them a question. And the question is one of redirection. It's a question I'd like you to ask and put in your mind right now, from now until the end of this service. For any of you, young and old, no matter how long you've been walking with God, whether you prefer Apple or PC, it doesn't matter. This question is for you. Why do you seek the living among the dead? These women would have been completely stunned by this question because they had been fully expecting to see a dead body. They'd come to take care of someone who was dead. But the question redirects their lives. Why do you seek the living among the dead? It's like saying, why are you going to Rite Aid to buy fresh produce? Or why are you going to Whole Foods to buy Spam? Or why are you going to the Laker game expecting they're going to win? Right? <laughs> because bottom line, I'm a Laker fan, so I'm not, you know, all you haters, it's cool, I'm good. Like, I get the strategy, man. I get the strategy, right? Lose all the games and get the draft pick. I get it. I'm down. I'm down. But see, <laughs> we do this in our lives. We're no different, man. Because of sin, we're bent towards seeking things in life that don't really give life. We cling to our dreams, our goals, for some of you, and they're good goals. You know, study more so you can get a good job and make more, save more, earn more, so you can live the, the idea, the notion of, I'm going to get life out of this. At the, when it's all said and done, I'm going to get life. But talk to the people who got there and ask them if they have life. No, they got more problems, man. So little do we realize that we're really looking for the source of life in things that do not have the capacity to give life. And yes, yes, of course, it makes you feel good. It gives you that buzz, gives you that high, gives you that infinite adrenaline rush so that you think you're in love. But it cannot give life. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why are we always going to the dead, to the things that are dead, and hoping that they'll give us life. Most of us make those decisions against our better judgment. And what we need is not rebuke or recrimination or reprimand. What we need, say it with me, is redirection. redirection. The question the angels ask the women is intended for their redirection. The angel says, he's not here. He's not here. He's not where you thought he'd be. He's on the move. Let me redirect you from where you are right now to where he is. And in an instant, they are redirected. They are redirected from grief to joy. It took them some time to get to the joy part, but they're now going somewhere. They're no, now no longer stuck in their grief or in their sorrow. Joy is coming. As the promise says, weeping may remain for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Listen, if you found yourself stuck in grief this past year, I know that there are several people and families in our church that have lost loved ones. And man, those are grief-striking moments in your life. And you may still be stuck in a cycle of grief. It's important to walk through grief, but we shouldn't get stuck in grief because of the hope of the resurrection. This, the angels redirect the women from their grief 
through the joy of the risen Christ. The risen Christ is redirecting you from grief into joy and from tragedy into triumph. These women thought that that this was the end of Jesus' life. They thought that this was all that was left to do was to prepare his body, to honor his dead body, and then to find out how to somehow rebuild our lives now that I guess he wasn't the Messiah that he said he was, he was right? They didn't expect a resurrection, man. That's just totally off their radar. What they expected or what they thought resurrection was, was something that happens to all of God's people at a much, much future time at the end of human history. That's what they thought the resurrection was and was going to happen way, 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 way in the future. But now, Jesus, in Jesus, the resurrection has happened to one man, not at the end of human history, but in the middle of human history. Like the future has invaded the present. The new order of things to come has disrupted the present evil age. And the new world of God's rule and reign has established a beachhead in the present evil age. And has opened up a whole new way to live for every single person here and now. In the resurrection of Jesus, he has dragged the future into the present and made a whole new world available for you and me. And listen, it's not the world that Disney set up. Because, man, I'm telling you, you could get really deceived if you spend a lot of time at a Disney park. You could actually think you're in another world. A whole new world. No pun intended. But this new world is not one Disney thought up. It's it's not a world of tragedy. It's a world where death gets swallowed up by life. Man, I'm telling you, we need to hear this today. We need to hear this today. The world is so full of tragedy from 13-year-old teenagers killing themselves accidentally on Instagram Live to older Asian doctors being dragged from a plane against their will. This world and everything in between that and beyond that, this world is full of tragedy. You don't have to go far to find it. And while your life might not be full of tragedy like that, some of you look back at the things that you've done, the decisions that you've made, things you said that you wish you never said, and sometimes tragedy in our lives takes the form of regret. And I'm here to tell you, the risen Christ is redirecting you. He's not pretending it didn't happen. He's not saying it didn't matter. And he's not acting as if there were no consequences. Rather, he wants to redeem your regrets Renew your confidence and resurrect your hopes. The risen Christ is redirecting you from grief to joy, from tragedy to triumph, and from, let me say it this way, from the feelings of fear to faith in his word. Look at this verse. The angel says to the women, remember, remember what he told you? 
He must suffer, die, and must rise again on the third day. As in other words, hey, ladies, I know you're feeling overwhelmed right now. I know that you're like feeling all kinds of sadness and fear and bewilderment and grief. But in the midst of those negative feelings, here's the lesson, in the midst of your negative feelings, I want you to remember what he told you. Remember what he told you? Remember the promise, the prediction that you didn't hear as a promise? That wasn't just a prediction, it was a promise. Jesus' promise of resurrection trumps our fickle feelings. <laughs> feelings aren't going to get, feelings are good when they're good. And when they're negative, sometimes we, we make decisions based on our feelings. It's okay to feel. Go feel what you need to feel. That's being human. But don't forget to feed your faith on the word of God. Don't forget to feed on his promises. Don't forget to recall to mind the faithfulness of God. He's brought you through this before. He's going to bring you through again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we're just getting started. I'm just kidding. We're almost done. <laughs> the risen Christ is redirecting you. Tell the person next to you, he's redirecting you. So remember what he told you. From grief to joy, from tragedy to triumph, from fear to faith. Let me tell you something, man. You may be going through a rough patch right now. Life isn't going your way, friendships aren't working out, marriage is on the rocks, or marriage is done with. You, you, we all come with all kinds of broken situations in our life. You know, maybe some of you found out you got to pay more taxes than you expected to. You're not getting a refund, right? Maybe your political leader didn't get elected. You know, whatever it is, listen, remember what he told you. He's redirecting you because he's redeemed you. He wants you to know that the first step in the right direction is to turn in his direction. Follow him. He's reclaiming you because you're way too precious to him. Some of you need to remember that God did not waste his time expending all that energy, putting that whole plan of salvation together. He didn't waste his time on you. You were worth it. You were worth it. And that's Listen, that's not the best news. That's not the best news. What's the best news, Pastor? <laughs> the best news is because Christ is alive, you, we, who believe in him, will rise again with him. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah, that's good. You're, you're going to clap even more in a second. Hang on. What do you mean? We're going to rise again with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you mean like, yeah, in the great by and by, in that you know, special home, that mansion in the clouds that we're going to get, whatever you think about heaven, you know, in the future, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's good. In eternal paradise, yeah, 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 that's good. But listen, through the spirit of the living God, we get a foretaste of that future resurrection life here and now, okay? So, like, I watched, I watched the, the latest Star Wars trailer. Some of you are haters, but it's okay. I, I grew up in the 80s, all right? Just this in me. And I was like, I can't wait till December. This preview trailer is so awesome. My kids are laughing at me now because they're like, what? Dad, he's just off his rocker, whatever. 
Folks, that, that's just fantasy, man. The reality of a world that God is going to recreate and resurrect, the reality of that perfect world without sin, crying, death, or sickness, the reality of all things made new. Harbor City is going to be made new someday, man. Norwalk's going to be made new someday. South Bay is going to be renewed in the resurrected age. God says, in Jesus' resurrection, resurrection, I have sent him into the future to take a little bit of the future and drag it into the present and say, this present future blessing is available to you here and now. And it looks like salvation. It looks like peace in the midst of your troubles. It looks like staying faithful even though all the whole world around you is falling apart. The future has come. Welcome to the present future. Look, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live. Like, like back then in the future? No, no. Back then, no. We live now a new life. For we have been united. If we have been united with him in his death, in a death like his, check this out, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. That blows my mind, folks. That's way better than what you got going on right now. That's way better than NFL and NBA. That's way better than ESPN Sports Center, man. That's way better than Star Wars The Last Jedi. I'm telling you something, the final word has been given by God as a punctuation to his salvation plan for human history, and it's called the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Some of you are stuck right now in your past shame and doubt and fear, and your regret and your disappointment and your sadness. I'm here to tell you, Christ has opened up a new future for you. It's in heaven, absolutely. It's paradise, absolutely. But it's also present life fully alive. Do you see it? Fully alive with the life-giving Christ. And His resurrection pulls us from the graves of our past and into the promise of His future. And He offers it to us here and now. Tell the person next to you, man, welcome to the present future. In this present future, in this present future, all the problems we have with again can be transformed and redeemed by His rising again. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Because He has risen again, we can experience the power of again. Because He has risen again, you can hope again. You can believe again. You can get up again. In fact, get up right now. Get up right now. Get up right now. You can trust again. You can give again. You can forgive again. You can serve again. You can love again. You can try again. You can learn again. Because Jesus has risen again, you can live again. Thank you for listening to audio from New Life Foursquare, located in Harbor City and Norwalk, California. 
Feel free to make copies of this audio to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or change the content in any way without permission. For more information, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org.